0: The reading this morning is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 14, beginning to read at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself. To pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God.
1: To those of you who don't come to church that often, or those of you who on this beautiful morning are feeling a little tired, or went to bed too late last night, I repeat the words of the great Donald English of blessed memory. Yes, this sermon will have an end. (laughs) This sermon will have an end. And uh, if you nod off, don't worry, I'll still be speaking when you wake up. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen. But at once Jesus called out to them courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. So he said, Come. He said, Come. Courage, it is I. Ever been in the situation where you saw your life flash before your eyes? Perhaps not. However, in all honesty, who among us at times hasn't been fearful? Perhaps you've made a major decision in your life and then experienced butterflies in your stomach. And then you thought, was that a right decision? Was it a wrong decision? Who among us hasn't lived through some event that at the time really baffled us but later on, somehow it fitted into the right context. And you say to yourself, now I know why that experience came to me. Today's gospel is simple in the way it is narrated. But it is Complex in its explanation. I ask myself, why is it Matthew's gospel that is the only one that included Peter's experience of walking on the water when called by Jesus? Is there perhaps a comparison? of this experience with that of the disciples and Jesus after the resurrection when he appeared to them while they were fishing. In Matthew, it appears like an epiphany, an appearance of Jesus not unlike the resurrection experiences. You see, on a dark, Night of fear and hopelessness, Jesus comes to them. On a dark night of fear and hopelessness, Jesus comes to them. You know, the crucial question this morning is does this passage have anything to say to us today in the kind of world in which we as Christians are living? The world we live in seems to me to be a dark and threatening place and in political chaos. I can imagine that quite a few people have worried about President Trump's response to that volatile, and it appears, somebody who can't be controlled in North Korea. I know for a few moments I felt a little anxious, and others perhaps have felt anxious too. Yes, our world seems to be dark and threatening, No wonder we might be feeling a little fearful and helpless ourselves. What is the purpose of Matthew's Gospel in including Peter's experience of walking, sinking, and then being rescued? We have to start again with those comforting words Jesus speaks to the disciples in the very heart of the storm. Courage. It is, I do not be afraid. You know, the whole of the Gospel of Matthew can be wrapped up in this assurance, God is with you. God is with you. The presence of God, just as the presence of Jesus, is a remedy for fear. A remedy for fear. I've come to understand when reading the scriptures that the great promise of God is his presence, is his presence. When Moses says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? God answers not by telling Moses who he is, but by telling him who God is, saying, I will be with you. I will be with you. For Christians, this is surely wonderfully fulfilled in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. One of the comforting truths for Christians throughout the ages is the ever present reality of God's presence. I was moved the other day. I was sorting through my books, and I suddenly picked up a book on John Wesley. Remember John Wesley? Some Methodist churches have forgotten him. Betsy Ritchie. She was present in those last hours as John Wesley was fighting for breath. And just before he died, he said these wonderful words, the best of all is God with us. The best of all is God with us. Now to a young local preacher. Yes, I'm looking at you, Ben. I have to tell you that when John Wesley was sending out his preachers, they were terrified. Everywhere they went, those pesky Anglicans were ready to do them down. They were stoned, they were spat upon, they were derided, and then guess what? Wesley said these words to them, and I'm going to say them to you at the beginning of your training as a local preacher. Do not be afraid. Wherever you go, Jesus is there and already at work. Isn't that a wonderful thing to hear? Wherever you go, don't be afraid. God's there. And he's already at work. So don't be afraid. The best of all is God with us. I love those words of Henri Neuven, who founded Larch. God is a God of the present. That means he's present with us. God is always in the moment in this moment be that moment hard or be that moment easy joyful or painful how is it possible to remain true to our commitment to live out the meaning of fellowship the fellowship without a true trust In Jesus as being present. No doubt this trust relationship is not always felt by us. I've said in my own life, God, where are you? I've even said on occasions, if you treat your friends like you treat me, then no wonder you haven't got so many friends today. That moment when you don't actually feel that God is present. But then I love that simple little thing of footprints in the sand. You remember it, don't you? You know, and somebody turns around and says, look, throughout all my life, at the times of real trial, real tribulation, there's only been one set of footprints in the sand. Where were your footprints? And what is he told? Ah, those weren't your footprints. They were mine because I was carrying you. Matthew tells us that the disciples were terrified. Do you know that be not afraid appears in Scripture over 340 times and is nearly always telling us, or God's people, that God is with them. And now in the midst of the storm, Jesus calls out, be not afraid, and prefaces it with courage. It is I. Many years ago, I used to go to visit in Belfast, an old Presbyterian missionary. I'm not even sure of his name now. I think it was Dr. Barker. And he'd been the principal of the Protestant Theological Seminary in Peking, as it was called in those days. And then the Japanese invaded. And all the other missionaries fled. And he fled, too. The amazing thing was, he ended up in a town in Japan called Hiroshima. So they'd fled from the Japanese, and you can fill in the rest of the story, they'd ended up in Hiroshima. And do you know what he said to me? And I've never forgotten it. Do not give up. Do not lose heart. And then some wonderful words, courage is always an option. It's rather good, Natasha, isn't it? Don't give up, don't lose heart. Courage is always an option. And that goes for all of us. But, of course, saying these words does not produce a deed. Think of Jesus. I think of those last days of Jesus. From that wonderful passage in the Scripture where we are told he set his face towards Jerusalem. And courage seems to be the very sub-base of all his actions. The one thing nobody can say about Jesus is that he didn't have any courage. Back to our reading. The heart of the incident or the climax is the interchange between Jesus and Peter. Walking, sinking, and rescue. Very interesting, you know. Read that passage perhaps yourselves. Peter does not so much ask for supernatural powers. He asks to recognize that whatever Jesus commands, Jesus makes possible. Do you know the number of times I have said this at church meetings and nobody has listened for one moment? at our council meetings, at our circuit meetings. there was a lovely story I told you, Ben, didn't I? I told Ben the story when we were in the vestry and all the Anglican bishops were gathered together in Canterbury and the wives had cooked wonderful meals, they'd been entertained and then the African bishops went back home. And they wrote a letter. And they said, dear Archbishop of Canterbury, we want to ask you, we want to ask you a question. But first of all, we want to tell you we've had wonderful hospitality, wonderful hospitality. And we thank you for that. But the question we want to ask you is, why do you start your services before the Holy Spirit has arrived. Why do you start your services before the Holy Spirit has arrived? You know, the great German theologian Bonhoeffer in The Cost of Discipleship draws a theological paradox and it is a paradox. Faith is only real where there is obedience. And faith only becomes faith when you act in obedience. You see, faith isn't an abstract thing. For too often, we have thought of it like that. Faith is an energetic doing word. If you don't do your faith... It's wasted. It's wasted. You've got to do your faith. It's, a, it's, it's like a verb. It's active. You see, in order for dear old Peter to really get an answer, what did he have to do? he had to get out of the boat. He had to get out of the boat. If he stayed in the boat, what would his faith have been? It is in the response to Jesus saying, come, and he gets out of the boat. There's a hymn, I still regret, those who are knowledgeable, far more knowledgeable than I, left out of hymns and psalms and it's left out of singing the faith and i'm sure barbara there are many hymns we can think of that we mourn the loss of from sinking sand he lifted me with tender hand he lifted me from shades of night to plains of light oh praise his name he lifted me what a wonderful hymn that is who decided to leave that out of our hymn books but there we are we go on and we go on And now, dear friends, yes, I'm coming to the end. And it's not going to be, Tina, one of these where I say the last point and I go on for 15 minutes. Or 30 minutes. So I wrap it up. Everything of value that God wants from our lives listen is outside the boat and we are all in the boat dear friends faith and doubt can live in the same heart i know that and when i look at peter i see it there too when he took his eyes off jesus what happened He sank. That is what happens when you take your eyes of what should be absolutely the central focus of our lives as Christians, Jesus. It doesn't matter to hoots if you're a Methodist, a Roman Catholic, a Baptist, I don't care. Who have I forgotten? The Presbyterians. None of this is of significance. What matters is that Jesus is at the very center of your life. Peter becomes a mirror for me. Is he a mirror for you as well? Find courage in Peter's daring response to Jesus' command. Come, come. Find courage from Jesus' love, patience, grace, which moves to secure the faltering faith of Peter. Here it is. The last thought. Jesus is waiting for you to believe in him and risk it all. Come on, leave the boat and walk on the water. You see, it's Jesus who tells you you can.